0: Hey tryhards, Ethan here. Before we get into the show today, I want to talk to you guys about Patreon. Patreon is a donation service, a monthly subscription service where you donate money to me to support the show, support uh, the growth of it, whether that means merchandise or more podcasts or other things of that nature, and I would really appreciate if you guys would be Willing and able to give just a little bit of whatever extra money you may have. Because while the show will always be free for everyone to listen, um, the way to make it isn't. And I'm in college, and things are expensive. So I'd appreciate any little amount that you're able to give. So thank you for donating, and thank you even more for listening. Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin. Like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. Also, like you, I have stories. These are my stories. The true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to True Stories of a Tryhard. I am Ethan Hewlin, and this week I have yet another friend from the internet, Carter Dvorak. Carter, say Hi.
1: Hi. Hi, Ethan and Hi, Internet. Hi, tryhards. Are, are all the audience also tryhards, or are we just the tryhards?
0: Everyone is a tryhard if they want to be.
1: Feel that, for
0: sure. All right, so uh, this week, listeners, Carter and I are going to be talking about something that's very personal to Carter, as I like to do with all of my guests. Uh, Carter, um, tell the, the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, hi. So I am a junior in high school, and I am a Person, That's just to get that out of the way. Um And when I was younger, when I was in, like, elementary school, and even still now, I deal with Tourette's syndrome on a, like, semi-consistent basis. I think it was developed around, like, first or second grade is when I really started to, like, see it. And basically what Tourette's is is kind of this thing where, like, they're called tics. So they're kind of, like, involuntary movements. So, like, every once in a while, like, you could just kind of, like, sit there, and, like, your hand has this, like, urge to, like... In my case, it's a lot of, like, tensing, or, like, kind of just, like, it's hard to describe and articulate audio-wise, but just, like, to kind of, to tense or to kind of bend or something like that, and it just can, like, happen kind of whenever, and I used to have one where, like, I had to, like, I would blink really hard, where your eyes just, like, you have this, like, weird kind of compulsion to, like, blink really hard, and then it wasn't fun, and so that was kind of happening around, like, first or second grade is when it really started to kind of get noticeable and get bad, and... It was definitely a struggle with something that, like, took me out of things. I think people, like, I'd had people come up to me, like, fellow second-grade friends, like, why do you blink really hard? And I'm like, I don't know. It just kind of is a thing. And so kind of dealt with that for a while, and I'm really thankful my mom and parents, like, really dove into it as to, like, okay, what is this? We found out we had Tourette's and that I had this Tourette's syndrome, and they're like, okay, how do you work on it, right? How can you fix it? We found a study in university of wisconsin milwaukee and so we went to that study for a summer and i learned like habit reversal therapy basically where like so let's say if i have the urge to like blink really hard instead of doing that try to like take time and kind of like blink slowly right
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: so it helped to kind of like deal with that to kind of find these like alternatives right if i have to like bend my wrist back if that's an urge i like just kind of fold my arm so it's like doing something that is less noticeable that kind of maybe not scratches that urge but can kind of like be a way to negate it and so that was really cool and like I think even in that study they said like I went from like basically 95 percent recovery rate which was really incredible and really cool and like I'm still super thankful and like happy and I feel blessed from that experience of like and really thankful for my parents in that regard of like I'm all like went to conferences and took the time to really like track these people down and to find out who they were, and so that was just a really wonderful experience. But that's kind of been my journey up to this point with that.
0: That's really cool, and I'm I'm glad you were able to to find that and you were able to uh to improve yourself. Um I don't know um I don't know if people have talked to you about this before, but they're um There are definitely some misconceptions about, like, how Tourette's is expressed. And I know it's a case-by-case basis for a lot of people, but, like, what are some things that you've seen that are definitely, like, not characteristic, at least in your case?
1: I mean, in my case, there are, like you said, like, there's different forms of it. There's different case-by-case things. Some of them are very verbal. Some people have, like, basically this compulsion to swear, and it's really, like, kind of strange to see but it's just kind of how they are and so I think you see like a lot of different ways mostly when I experience it I don't know many people who either have it or know of it and like it doesn't come up much but I think it definitely maybe be seen as like symptoms of other things or maybe even like intuitive of I don't know somebody's like I don't want to say mental state but like intuitive of like oh this guy's kind of like making a weird yelping noise maybe he's something right and so more so they're like, what you find is, like, these people are pretty normal for the most part, like, to the extent of what is normal, but, like, these people are pretty, you know, fine mentally. It's just this issue of, like, every once in a while you're just going to just swear with no prompting, with no context, and, or every once in a while you just kind of like, kind of move your arm or jump a little bit, and I think really, I guess, the big takeaway that I've seen is, like, it doesn't really, I think, affect one's mental state that much, and so I think that's something to look at, too. Of, I could see somebody like from a viewer who just has no idea looking at that and thinking, like, oh, they're obviously, they have something wrong in the head, they always say have something deeper than that, when really, we're pretty normal people just with these weird, you know, not even weird, like, trying to find better terminology, like, we're pretty normal people, but just with this thing, right? This thing that we have to deal with.
0: Right. I mean, I think everybody has a thing. It's just that with Tourette's, it's a lot more forceful and a lot more noticeable. Like, for example, I, like when I'm sitting at a desk I'm actually doing right now, I bob my leg up and down. But um, I know that um, that is considered normal because it's more widely accepted um but is is Tourette's similar to that like do they do people who have Tourette's um are their gestures just just different is that is that the only thing
1: I mean the way i see it like when i look at that i think that it is like you said more noticeable and more out of the normal my whole the whole thing with having reversal therapy was kind of making them not like you can't stop them per se you can definitely kind of like the more that you don't go into them I think the easier it becomes to deal with it but like it is taking something that kind of looks a little bit strange or a little bit like different and also like can be sometimes painful it can be sometimes like I've had like back issues and shoulder issues from like having to like tense my back and stuff so like not major but just like I've definitely experienced their like, back pain like tensing muscles and stuff so I think more so what it comes to is it is like making it less noticeable right like instead of failing your wrist if you can just kind of fold your arms there it's a lot more acceptable and not as like glaring because you know the issue is like the human eye is drawn to things that are sometimes allowed or sometimes out of the ordinary sometimes kind of like those things so like I think it's kind of maybe too like a method of like diverting attention and to doing something like that
0: yeah so, yeah, for sure. have you felt pressured from others who are more, air quote, normal to kind of suppress those things or to try and get rid of them or make them less noticeable?
1: I mean, yes, but I don't think that always has to be in any, like, negative way. Like, I think that there's absolutely negative pressure to be like, why are you doing this? This is weird. Please stop. And that can be hurtful. I think when I was definitely younger, like, hey when you're in second grade you're not really prone to be able to like handle stuff like that right like as a second grader to be thrown something like Tourette's where you're just like kind of have these urges to make these weird kind of involuntary movements that are definitely awkward to you know other second graders around you I think I could have experienced more of that pressure there right people who don't know like why are you doing this thing what is this what is going on there right but like I think now especially as I've learned to control them like suppressing them isn't the right way of doing it but like to have this like to not make them as prevalent to not make as like to do this habit reversal therapy right to just slowly blink instead of hard blinking also like doesn't take like the physical toll like there are definitely times where like it's weirdly exhausting when you just have this like wind of having to like move or like tense your muscles or flail like kind of flail stuff like it also like takes a physical toll of like that's tiresome you know it's like kind of intensive muscle movement so like in a weird way i have learned to suppress it but not in like a bad way not to bury them but more so to take them work through them to deal with them that way so that they aren't as noticeable and they aren't as big of a problem to me really
0: yeah that seems like a very constructive way to um to approach it and you know like i said earlier i'm glad you were able to find that so like what was your kind of Day to day experience while you were doing like that study, did that help you like kind of unpack why you do what you do?
1: I definitely think so. I think that like it was, it's a funny story. Like we went to like I lived in Virginia and we, you know, my mom tracked on these colleges. I think it was run by a guy named Doug Woods, and we went to Wisconsin. We went to like Milwaukee and like rented an apartment for a summer and thankfully we had like a smaller like family cottage spent around our family for a while like kind of across like michigan and we were able to like take a like a ferry back and forth there but like that summer was definitely six out of my mind Of like at the very beginning it was very different and kind of confusing and weird and nobody knew what was like like we knew what we were going on but it was still like this very foreign environment but i think to like one of the things that they'd have you do is kind of in prepped like basically you had like I'd say it was 10 or so sessions, right? And you kind of worked on each tick in each of those sessions, like a different one. And so I think ahead of time, they basically had to fill out this chart where, like, you go sit, you go do whatever, right? For me, it was watching, like, Avengers, like the Avengers cartoons, and, like, you'd sit there and then, personally, you would monitor yourself. You'd say, when do these urges come up? And you just, like, write it down. Maybe make a tally mark, right? If you're going to sit and watch TV for 30 minutes, like marked on Italy, like when did this come up what is it where like where is it on your person and that was really interesting too i think to kind of notice like oh i felt you know the urge to do this tick like i don't know 11 times or whatever in 30 minutes or sometimes it was more sometimes it was less and i think that definitely was one of the first experiences that i had of like being aware of my like physical person and my environment and like kind of like okay like to kind of to take that breath to kind of to look inward to like you had to be like cognizant but not cognizant so you're not focusing on it because there are definitely cases where if you focus on it if you think about it a lot stuff comes up more but like to definitely be distracted but also focusing on yourself it was like this weird balance and so i think that was like a good kind of an interesting instance of like like we had like a chart to fill out like a piece of paper with like different questionnaires of like you know like you're saying like in that 30 minute Time spent, like, what did you do? How did it feel? What kind of urges were there? Like, and I think it was just like one of the first times of like physically checking in and also kind of mentally checking in that I had experienced in like my young life up to that point.
0: Do you think you know yourself better now than you did before then?
1: I would say so. I think that my experience it, like opened it up and made me very comfortable in situations where there were like, you know, it was like it was a study. So, like, to be in, like, a psychological study, and, like, it made me feel very comfortable going forward with that stuff, and so I think it helped me, like, that was the first experience of being aware, and, like, I think doing it so young, and, like, I'm also, again, very blessed to have parents who are very open and concerning and, like, ha- open to have, like, mental health discussions to have conversations to, to, like, to encourage going to therapy even now and going to studies back then, like, I think there were a lot of parents I think we knew I've like seen a couple of people in like later circles who have said that like yeah my parents basically ignored this right that I also had this in second grade but my parents ignored it up through through high school even so like I think it really helped break any kind of mental health stigmas because I was so young that it just it is what it was there was no like like I think even now if or like I'd say if I hadn't had the experience and some and something happened I'm like okay I'm going to go into this study as a 17 year old i think i feel a lot more maybe anxious maybe self-conscious about that maybe like oh like i'm glad that it broke stigmas about mental health and psychology that really hadn't even formed ahead of that and i think that was kind of a big takeaway now that i experience is like like habit reversal therapy is not something exclusive to tourette's it's been used in like other ways of psychology and therapy and so to just be like so open to that so young i think was a really important thing for me
0: Definitely, and this is this is my experience. I know it's not universal, um, but mm-hmm. the more people try to suppress things that are happening to them, the worse it is going to be for them in the future. And you having that ability to um, to not have to deal with people who um, who went to um to not have to deal with people who wanted to basically act like your problems didn't exist or that they didn't matter really helped you in the long run And i think that's what really could help a lot of people in the long run
1: yeah i completely agree because i think again in Tourette if you suppress an urge without dealing with it without using habit reversal therapy and just like i feel this I'm not gonna do it not gonna do it it does get worse it does build it does get, and then it gets to a point where maybe it could come out worse or more for like a longer period of time like and so i think that it is really important not to suppress things and to to open them so you can deal with them and then kind of move forward in a healthy manner and it is it's difficult i definitely like you said like i know a lot of people and i've experienced a lot of people who were more so having to bottle things up at a younger age because it just they couldn't deal with it or people around them didn't want to have to deal with it or they couldn't get the proper health that they needed or the help. And so I think it's really important that not to suppress these things, to deal with them, to deal with emotions while you can in kind of the present and to like, to bring them up and to heal them, right? Cause you can only have healing when like, when things can get brought up. You can't like, suppression isn't gonna heal anybody. It's not gonna help anything. It's only really gonna create problems for the future.
0: Absolutely, um, and I'm gonna be brutally honest here, just as a warning. Um, mm-hmm. I have wanted to go back to long-term therapy for a while now, and I haven't. Um, I haven't wanted to take the step necessary to. To find a new therapist because I don't feel like the connection between me and my new therapist, whoever they are, will be the same as the one between me and my old therapist. And that fear, um, in combination with several other things, is just making my depression and my anxiety worse. Um, And that's, that's kind of the point that I wanted to get across with the whole suppression thing.
1: Yeah, I completely get that. I understand kind of that fear of like. I haven't been in situations like to that extent, but there were definitely times where I think I also. Like, I really for the first time kind of started going to, will be long term therapy the start of like, February of this year, right? So we had two appointments, and then quote unquote the incident, however you want to talk about it, happened, right? And mm-hmm. going to an office to talk to somebody who is not in your immediate family was no longer something that is. Safe to do in the current environment. And like, I knew there was telehealth. It's like, I am with the same therapists that my mom uses. And so, like, there was already that connection there, which I think was also important. But like, I knew there was telehealth there. I knew that was an option. And I kind of kept finding excuses, right? Oh, oh, online school is a lot. And it is. But like, I could pull an hour of free time out in the week to do something like that to help my mental health. And so I did. I found excuses for like three months and definitely I feel like things did get worse and like I kind of now I think I started back up in June right doing telehealth and I'm still doing it now the same person and like I think back to those three months from like March through June and I'm like what why like not in like a negative way but like I saw how okay I was definitely inhibiting myself from something that is important and so it's hard though man like fear and like Doing something that you know you need to do, but it's like there's challenges, there's steps in the w- in the way. I think your thing of like finding a new connection is incredibly tough. It is frightening because like it can be hard going from person to person to kind of to unearth other things. But I also think it's very important in that.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like a hypocrite because one of the things I say on here pretty frequently is to is for people to get help if they need it, while I'm sitting here not getting the help that i need but i guess i mean part of my mission really is to be open as open as i can with what what's going on uh, with me personally because i feel like that i need to set an example and when i don't i feel like i have let people down
1: i feel that i can kind of relate to that too and i definitely think that in a sense we are all not in a bad way a bit hypocritical right especially people with podcast platforms and things like i who like speak to other people like i definitely you know we can definitely say things that we don't necessarily adhere to like i have i am not trying to mean this as a plug or anything but just like i have a podcast about good news right and i think a big central thing is like to to reason to like to look to good news it's a great thing for mental health it's a great thing too like it does help me but like do I go on to, like, goodnewsnetwork.com hardly as much as I go on to, like, Fox News, CNN, NBC to, like, read about all the crazy stuff happening in the world? No. Like, and so I kind of relate to that regard of, like, you know, preaching out to, like, to say to the people, like, you know, do this. This is great. This is important for mental health. But, like, also to fail in that regard. Yeah, and to be, like, not this novel person when it comes to good news or, like, mental health. And, you know, I also think, too, though, that, like, it's okay to falter. Like, if there's one thing I've learned in quarantine, the one thing I've learned is, like, it's okay to, to you know, screw up. It's to err as human, right? And so yeah. I think it's okay to to have those kind of issues because even if maybe you're internally a hypocrite, those still, that doesn't take away from your message, right? Because I think no. you know your message is true. Your audience knows your message is true. And so I don't think that, like, if you're struggling to find therapists or find somebody who... Can help you, and you're also telling other people to still help them. That still means that, like, if they go find something that does help them, that still means that your message is going across. And I think that that is important. And I do, you know, it is important to find people and therapists you connect with. And it's, it's important to find health. It's important to look at good news. But if you spend an hour doom scrolling, that doesn't mean that your message is any less important than it is. It doesn't mean that it's any less true.
0: Absolutely. All right, so uh, to kind of round things out, uh, Carter, do you have any encouraging words for for the listeners who are tuning in this week?
1: I mean, back to what I was just saying, read good news. It's it's an important thing to do. Like, and again, I'm older with it too, but like, it's still important to Google. Just Google good news. There's like websites dedicated to like random news stories. That's a big thing that's helped me. It has helped keep me sane as much as I have gone down doom scrolling and as much as I have you know, gone down rabbit holes of, like, these are all these scary things happening in the world that still does keep me sane to just kind of go through, I think, looking at, like, good news and people helping people, which is something that I find is not as portrayed, is something that is really important, I also think, kind of to your message, if you need mental health, if you need that kind of help, do find somebody, do, you know, it's important to take even those first steps, like, to keep doing that to maybe find a buddy maybe find somebody else who's similar to you either maybe if they have mental health see if they can you know find somebody to refer you like yeah i think those are two important things i think find connection right now like there's still a pandemic going on there's still isolation whether it can be online like Ethan Hill and i are in the same discord and it's incredible and it's fun to like have that connection i think find some means of connection to the people around, to the world around you, I think is very important as well. Those are just what I can think of off the top of my head, but... Drink water? Drink the suggested amount of water as well. That's another one.
0: Yes, please do. Um, water is very important. Oh god, I'm gonna have to edit all the Carter drinking water sounds out of this. Uh, it's fine. Sorry. Um, anyway, Carter, uh, you kind of brought it up earlier, but is there something that you would like to plug?
1: it is if you want to hear me talk about good news and just kind of other things uh me and a group of friends who i've met in a different online community that was more so for like high school students and ap students uh positivity podcast like the t is a t-e-a not like an i-t-y but yeah we have an instagram we have a podcast i think on most places you can find us and yeah if you want to hear that if you want to hear some random teams talk about good news and then you know, kind of goof and kind of tangent, but also just, like, enjoy. Like, I find that listening to other people having fun conversations helps me a lot, too. You know, you can kind of insert yourself into being a part of that, and I think that's just a fun thing to do. But, yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week to True Stories of a Try Hard. You can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hewlin. You can find me... On Twitter at ET Phone Home, the O's are zeros and the e's are Threes. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at True Stories Pod.
1: E.T. Phone Home is such a great Twitter handle, by the way. Thank I you. I never mentioned that, but I love it so much.
0: It took me a while to find it. I actually I accidentally added an extra S on the Twitter handle in order to get it like legal, but hmm. <laughs> it's fine. That's um because to- apparently true stories pod just straight up was already taken even though the account has been active for like five years it's fine
1: I feel that if um
0: there's a bit what
1: uh, uh nothing yeah i feel that of like different accounts that like haven't been active for a while like there's another positivity podcast and they like speak in like a different language and it's just like they have the title before us though but um it's just funny that like to find old accounts but yeah
0: yeah. The best way to get the word out about podcasts podcast is via word of mouth and social media. So please, please, please share this with your friends, share it on your social media. And if you post it in some way and tag me, you will get featured on the official podcast accounts. And please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would very much appreciate it. I'll be back for more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin and Carter Dvorak signing off.
1: Have a great week. Bye.